Greetings again and welcome back for mile 27 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. I'm Travis alongside Ben once again. Benny, how are you? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. We have a lot of your racing to talk about. You've been hiding out there, lurking in the shadows, and you jumped into all kinds of races here recently. So we're going to get into that soon. This is our spring cleaning edition of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. We have all kinds of topics to catch you up on. Boston Marathon's coming up. Got to chat about Ben's races, my races, what we've been reading, what we've been listening to, what's been happening in the world of track, field, and road racing. So let's start it a couple weeks ago, traversing the state of South Carolina in the Palmetto 200 Relay, Benjamin. What was your Relay Weekend debut like? Describe what the run is for the people who are unfamiliar, what you got yourself into, what your team looked like, how far you ran, and your experience out there. I was very fortunate to be invited to be a part of a Palmetto 200 Relay team by one of our customers, Scott Kaler, who is also an awesome triathlon coach and PT here in Greenville. Um, So for those who don't know, the Palmetto 200 is a 205 mile relay race teams consist of varying numbers of people my specific group had 12 members we all had way different legs i had the most total mileage on my team i had uh three legs that added up to 25.2 miles over the course of how long uh it was well it took us as a team 28 hours but for me it would have been Oh, goodness, I'm doing math, and that's never no, good. No, that's, that's bad for the show. About 18 hours. Okay, so it was like you did just put in a good triple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yes. I guess I'll run quickly through each Yeah, give us, give us, describe it for us. So my first leg was at 2.30 in the afternoon. It was a 7.4-mile leg. Um, I hadn't really been running very consistently, probably four to five days a week, as I do. Um, I as think I, that assessment of your consistency was perhaps an understatement. Yeah, that's probably true. I did have a 70-mile week in the last you, month. You so. did throw a pretty good week in there. Yeah, yeah I, knew I was, was glad fit. to be part of that with you. <laughs> so as soon as I got handed the baton, the first thing I told myself is, let's start slow. I had written down originally that I wanted to average 640 for all my miles okay. for the weekend. So I was just going to get the stick and kind of run easy and just pick people off as I see them. I didn't see anybody for three miles. (laughs) Uh, We were just in a weird hole. Uh, The guy who had handed off to me actually caught pretty much everybody we started the race with. So I was actually catching an earlier corral. I get the stick, and my first mile is 530. It's like, oh, God, I've made a big mistake. Yeah, you didn't start off slow and go catch people. So my next mile was... Can we rewind for a minute then? So they they let people out in waves then to get it started. Based on a finishing time. So they want you to have people you're always running with, especially in the later night legs. It's just dangerous having one person on a dark road. Yeah, sure. So earlier waves are the faster groups? Slower groups. Okay. So we all kind of finish around the same time because there's a big like party that. at the end of the day. That makes sense. So the people in the back are hunting you down. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Go ahead. So you go out at 530. I'm sorry, yeah. I interrupt. No, you're great, man. But yeah, then I was like, slow down, slow down, second mile, 530. All right, slow down. Third mile, I break 530. At this point, I finally see somebody, and I just broke 17 for 5K. I didn't even know I could do that. And I was like, all right. <laughs> didn't know you still had it in I'm going to run with this guy for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ran with him for like a half mile, and we just talked a little bit, a little chit-chat. 
And then I didn't know my leg was hilly as mess. Yeah. The last four miles were like straight uphill. So where were you? Where in the state were you for this? Uh, just outside of Columbia. Okay. We weren't too far. And so I kind of left that guy and I was like, I'm going to run comfortable. Uh, it was really hot. Yeah. Because at this point it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, my lips got super sunburnt. Mm which I knew the whole time I was running that they were getting burnt because they were turning bright red and, like, really thick. You have looked really good. Uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I felt like a Kardashian. So <laughs> we'll call leg one the Kardashian leg. Mm. So I finished the leg, and it was 7.4 miles at 5.52 average. Nice. Um, so my legs were pretty much shot after that. I think that was the last update I got from you. Uh, but then our Instagram crashed, and I couldn't keep updating. Yeah, so then yeah. there was... A large portion of the upstate was wondering if you were stranded somewhere <laughs> well, in the low country. Funny story enough, uh, so van, we had two vans for our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, van one would go first, and then all their runners would run their leg, and then their last runner would hand off to van two's first. Okay. Well, while van one was running, we got a flat tire. Uh-oh. We ran over a screw, so we actually had to go to an enterprise and switch rental vehicles oh. and try and make it back in time before... But we made it with plenty of time. We made it an hour before okay. <laughs> the switch, but we were freaking out. Yeah, sure. So my second leg was at 2 in the morning, and this is actually the longest leg of the Palmetto 200. It's uh, 9.65 miles. Okay. At this point, I'm trashed. It's early in the morning. Trash in a sense of I ran too hard earlier. Thank you for clarifying. There's no alcohol allowed during the race. Yes. Automatic disqualification if consumed. <laughs> Throwing that out there, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and our sponsors. So it was, this leg, again, I kind of went with the mentality of this is just an easy run. Let's work down at the end, but don't freak out. Mm-hmm. And I got faster every single mile. Nice little um, progression run. I got a little lonely after mile three because I still hadn't seen anybody. And what's really cool is I'm running completely alone, and all of a sudden I like envision legs next to me. Uh-oh. And no one's there. But I was like, this is just like every long run I ran with Jonathan Keller in college. Nice. My best friend, best training partner I've ever had. I was like, just be out here. I won't take that personally. (laughs) Be out here and run with John. Mm. And so around every turn, I'd like push it a little bit because I always like to surge on John. And like, it was just really cool. It made me grateful for like having those memories and that experience. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. So I handed off the stick after 9.65 miles, average 6.05 for that. Very good. Also set a uh, Palmetto 200 record for that leg Ooh. by three seconds. That late night leg which record. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Wait, that was really cool to find out afterwards. Okay. Nice. Um, my next leg was the next morning at 10 a.m., about 70 degrees. It was eight miles, and it was pretty much all down a highway. Oh. And I averaged 607 for it. Okay. Cramped pretty hard the last mile. <laughs> I ran like 650 something. And you were getting sick though, too, yeah, right? So after my second leg, I went through a, a long time of puking and other excrement. Whoa. Um, I, don't, I would like you to go further into what that in the world other excrement means. Oh, I had diarrhea. Oh. Well, part of it was a running. tumultuous early morning. Yes. Okay. Well, I had slept in a parking lot that evening. Yep. I uh, used a, like a curb in front of a parking space that's, as a pillow. That's where you spent some of your best then, nights. Yes, and then put a blanket on because there wasn't enough room in the van for everybody to sleep in. So I took one for the team. I'm the young gun. Like, yeah. I can sleep on pavement. They're not as resilient as me. So Let's I, not get everybody else sick. Right. I think the shivering made it worse. Mm. Just unsettled my stomach. Yeah. Um, 
I was but, getting a sense that night at about 4 or 5 a.m. that you needed me. I really did. Yeah. But luckily, uh, van one of our group was filled with moms, actually. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. Because my team was mostly a bunch of middle-aged health professionals. Cool. And so a lot of them were parents, and they actually had so much medicine. I was going to say, they took you under your, and, their wing, right? Yeah, as soon as I took all their medicine, it stopped me up, and I was good for the rest of the day. Good. Yeah, so we actually ended up finishing sixth for co-ed teams out, out of, of how 22 many? 22 teams. Very nice. Which we never thought we were going to be any other co-ed team. <laughs> so it was awesome. It was a great experience. I'm really grateful to Scott Kaylee for asking me to be a part of that team. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like fun, and maybe an event you'd recommend. Yeah. Big shout out to the uh, winning team, Lactic Acid Trip. <laughs> nice. Uh, they actually have a few Greenville yeah. members as part of that team. They averaged 604 for 205 miles. Beautiful. Do you know how many guys they had on their team? I believe it was 10. Cool. Also coming up in under two weeks, you got the Ville to Ville relay from yes. Asheville to Greenville that I know a lot of locals are fired up about. We've been seeing a lot of people getting their work in for that. That should be a really fun race in its second edition as well. While you were headed south, I went northeast to Raleigh and ran the half on the American Tobacco Trail at the Tobacco Road Half outside of Raleigh in Cary, North Carolina. My first experience on the American Tobacco Trail, and if you get the opportunity to run up that way, highly recommended. That's a nice uh, rail-to-trail, crushed gravel, packed dirt, really soft surface, and a great place to, to run that I think would be nice for long runs, some tempos. I know that we've mentioned North Carolina State does some work out there. It's the birthplace of NASCAR. Yeah, they originally would like race up and down Tobacco Road, right? Yeah, so you're you're right in it. That was that's the big reason I was there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know you're a big NASCAR. Fan. Yeah. You're right near Umstead Park as well, which will be hosting their 100-mile race this weekend. John Bruno, local legend, will be taking part in that sent me some Garmin data from his workout today, and he's got all pistons firing right now. Johnny boy. He is on all cylinders, ready to roll. He's got a heck of a crew for that race, too. I believe he has his wife and his less-than-one-year-old daughter ready to shepherd him through 100 miles. (laughs) But that's a great place to run as well at Umstead, and that's right by where the expo was for the Tobacco Road Half. And really good race. For me, it was just a tune-up getting ready for Boston and try to get some good work in a race setting, not necessarily an all-out effort, although I was happy with how I ran, but a little easier on the body with you know, probably close to 10 miles on the softer surface. And then you get to come off of that and feel fast at the end on some pavement and, and actually some downhill in. And I could tell when I got to about mile 12 that I had I, I was holding back, but maybe I held back a little more than I wanted because I had a lot left in the tank to, to close it. But shout out to our man Chase from Mizuno in charge of the elite athletes up there who did a great job and gave me some local insights about where to run over the course of the weekend. And fun event with both a half marathon and a marathon. And you just you share the first couple miles and it splits directions on the trail. And you could really get some great mileage in if you're ever in the area for the American Tobacco Trail. I recommend it, and it was beautiful, perfect weather. And some of the locals who have gone up in the past, who I bumped into some people at my hotel, who I know here locally, who were 
uh, running the marathon, and they said, eh, this is the weather we've been having the past few years up here. So it was one of those just beautiful, picture-perfect days, and took a drive through the country, some back roads from Raleigh to Charlotte, and then back home afterwards. So it made for a good trip up there, good weekend. Now, not only did you run your relay, <laughs> this guy who some people thought had entered into early retirement, would we ever see him on the course again? <laughs> you just doubled right back and came right off of that with a trail marathon the next weekend in Clemson. Yes. At the Clemson Experimental Forest. So give all the listeners a little idea what that race is like because that is a freebie, correct? Yes. Yeah. So you might want to get out there next year if you're listening and looking for a good trail run. Absolutely. So the Clemson Experimental Marathon is, like you said, a free race on the trails at the Issaquina Experimental Forest. It's actually hosted by a professor at Clemson and oh, sponsored cool. by a sister store, Gotta Run Clemson. Yeah. Super cool environment. If you've ever been involved with the trail community, it is a super low-key trail <laughs> race. Everyone's so friendly. So it's not only a marathon, it's a 19 and a half mile race, a half marathon, and a 10K, all for free. Uh, all of the uh, finish lines are within the marathon course. Okay. So you're actually, everyone's racing at once, which is really cool. You actually have to look at someone else's bib to see a dot that would indicate which race they're doing. I actually ran this race because a friend of mine, Josiah, uh, was running his first marathon. And so I had told him if he wanted to do it that I would crew for him. But instead of just meeting him at aid stations, I would run every step of the race with him, pull him out of holes and like bad mental places, hold his goo for him. I need you with me in my races to do this for me. <laughs> You're too fast for me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, it was an awesome race. It was insanely hilly mm. and windy. Yeah. Um, very single track. The most beautiful race I've ever been to. That course is fantastic. You spend three quarters of it next to the lake. Yeah. So just overlooking the water early in the morning. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Back to the elevation gain though. At halfway, we heard we were in 30-something place, like 32 or 33. Yeah. I don't remember passing anybody after halfway, and we finished fifth and sixth. <laughs> so there was a lot of DNFs Yeah. Um, just because of the elevation. I actually wiped out pretty hard a mile and a half in and got nice and cut up, which was pretty cool because I got to run into aid stations all bloody and get moms and grandmas going like, oh, are you okay? Got a lot of free water that way. But it was just an awesome experience getting to watch my friends struggle the way I have in that same sort of scenario. Um, I had a blast. I, with two miles to go, I actually tanked really hard, and he had to dig me out of a hole because I had never been out other. so long before. Yeah. And it gives me a lot more respect. Like we've talked about so many times, a four- to five-hour marathoner, it's a whole different event than someone running like a 2.30 to 3.30 marathon. And I have so much more respect for that now. Yeah, I have, in our discussions many times, said that person out for multiple more hours than me, I think, is working harder. You yeah. have just that much time on your feet. You're, you're more likely to get weather swings. You have a whole lot of nutritional issues to deal with. It's, it's just a little more to think about and to prepare for. While they might not be moving as fast... My hat's off to those folks, for sure. Uh, what'd you wear for the trail shoes? What'd you go with? So I actually didn't wear a trail shoe. Oh, okay. No um, wonder you fell. 
Yeah. No. I think I fell because we were like 10 deep in a straight line. Mm. And me being so tall, I just wasn't looking down and nailed a root. Yeah. Fell down a hill. Um, but I actually wore the Pegasus Turbo. Oh, you went fast uh, and soft on that thing. Yeah, so I it was still a little banged up from the Palmetto 200. Yeah. And I was thinking about doing a trail shoe, but with it being so firm, I figured my legs probably need a little bit more cushion, especially because the race starts going downhill for a while. Yeah. I didn't want my quads absorbing all that impact. I was actually really happy with my shoe choice. What did you wear for the relay? I wore the Pegasus Turbo for two of the three legs. Yep. My night leg, I actually wore the Hoka Clifton. Oh, that's a good night shoe. Oh, yes. Mm. Put them to bed, baby. So, uh, any preview of what's next now that apparently you're racing massive distances every weekend? Yeah. Well, there's a few possible races on the horizon. Okay. You don't want to give anything away yet? Yes. Uh, Looking for a 50K, actually. If anyone knows of a 50K after the second weekend of May, please reach out to secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com because I will take any recommendation and I'll drive anywhere within a three-hour radius of Greenville. Love it. So you're looking at a late May, maybe June yeah. time frame? Something yeah, like that? I mean, I really got sucked back into the trail world this weekend. Good. You just experience so much more than the roads and get to see so many beautiful things. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to get back. So, also, this weekend in the trail scene, Georgia death race yes. and the crazy elevation change of the 70-plus miles they ran in northeast Georgia. I think it f- came out to 78. 78 this yes. year on this year's course. So, our good friend Dane Simmons got yanked <laughs> from the course because he didn't make the cutoff, but he was not alone. It was a huge number of people who couldn't even finish the event We are super excited because coming up here soon in the coming weeks, we're going to have Morgan Elliott, the winner from the Georgia Death Race, winner at Mount Mitchell earlier this year as well, golden ticket winner into the Super Bowl of Endurance running the Western States 100 this summer. He is going to share some time with us, a young burgeoning trail star coming up and seconds flat was represented well by our good friend also scott stringer who made it through the whole thing there great performance coming off an acl injury we had scott on for our trail talk episode and heck of a run to him so we appreciate him representing seconds flat at gdr this past weekend next up though we got a big one coming here soon. Less than two weeks away, we're going to get you an early preview of the 123rd Boston Marathon. Why wait till the week of the race? We're so excited about it. Patriots Day, Monday, April 15th, 10 a.m. Again, the 123rd running of the Boston Marathon. That will be on NBC Sports Network if you want that live coverage nationally. They're actually going to start at 8.30 lead you up to the race and all the way through 1 p.m. Preview show the night before also on NBC Sports Network at 4 p.m. on Sunday. So if you want to get more in-depth with some of the athletes who will be running, they'll do a preview show as well the day before. Big stories there. The champs are returning, and the champs were surprises last year for sure, and both great stories. Des Linden wins first American in three decades on the women's side to get the victory. In the men's race, your champion... The citizen runner from Japan, Yuki Kawauchi, they will both be back. I would consider neither to be a favorite 
this year. And part of that comes from the conditions last year that were as big a storyline as anything in Boston. That weather that was just absolutely crazy last year that I experienced in running in the mid to upper 30s, heavy rains, heavy headwind. And both of those runners used it to their advantage to get the victory. We're going to do something that can't be very good for radio. Anyone who's listening to this, I'm going to get a first look at the Boston Extended Forecast. I have chosen to this point not to look at the Boston weather because I realize that all it's going to do is frighten me. I am right now pulling up on my phone. First, I'm going to go to my weather app, and then I have the 15-day forecast that will get up from AccuWeather. On my phone right now, I'm looking out to next weekend, a week and a half away. Friday, it says 47 and rain up there, so that's a good sign. We're headed for nice. something. Let's see what AccuWeather has here. Boston forecast on the, the extended 15-day, because I'm sure hoping we can do something better than what we had last year. Okay, they're saying chance for rain, low 43, high 51. Wow. I'd, I'd take that that's in a awesome. heartbeat with a little bit of a west wind. So now I'm kind of excited, which means that's never going to happen. Well, this is it's a little bit scary here because it does show the chance of, of more rain coming in the next day. But this doesn't look bad, so I have no excuses right now. Heck yeah. Um, maybe if you're watching that NBC Sports coverage, you can see me at the start. You won't see me after that. I'm not going to be anywhere <laughs> near the leaders, but I got kind of a bright red cap I'm going to go with this year. Maybe I'll stick out to you. Oh, is it uh, the Saucony cap? Got that Saucony Freedom nice. cap. Going to go with that in the seconds flat singlet and uh, look out for me there and bib number 727 if you want to follow along. That, hopefully not too many people are tracking me because I don't want to set the expectations too high, but I'm really excited for the race. It's going to be a blast as always. The history there, the, the crowds there, it's unparalleled. We have this field with our returning champions back. I think we have nine past champions in the field. Yes. There are plenty of people who have run incredible races with some really fast times. We're packed with these past champions. But my question is, are we looking at a lot of past champions who maybe are past their prime? Mm -hmm. Is this field as good as it looks? And so as we go to make some picks, that certainly weighs in here. Let's, uh, you want to start with the men or women? What do you want to do? Uh, You said men first. Okay, so the men. men it is. Let's maybe get an idea of who you think could win this, who you might look at Americans. To recap for the listeners, it was Yuki last year. It was Jeffrey Karui the year before, edging out Galen Rupp. Galen Rupp will not be there because he's recovering from surgery with this longer-term focus on the 2020 Olympics. Karui made a move last year. Actually, it was Yuki making the first move. It was Karui counterpunching and moving through the hills in Newton. And then it was, okay, coverage goes to the women because Dez is making a move, and then we flash back to the men, and boom. Yuki's in the lead coming down the stretch, right? The craziness because the women get the earlier start time there. We'll also see New York City champion from this fall, Elisa DeCisa, who is a Boston champion as well. Two-time Boston champion. That is correct. He was in that great battle with Jeffrey Camor in New York in the fall when they were tearing off their winter caps and coming through Central Park with an incredible close. There's names there. A handful of East Africans who have run really well at places like Dubai 
Amsterdam, some fast courses. But again, maybe not as much recently. So without further ado, Benjamin, some thoughts on the men's field at Boston. I think like you've addressed before, Boston is an interesting course. Mm -hmm. Lots of downhill early, some hills towards the end. And it's, in my opinion, you rarely see the fastest man in the field win the race. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that's not my opinion. That's just fact. Most of the time, your opinion is fact. On paper, I would tend to lean towards Lawrence Chirono. Yeah. Uh, He's a 204 marathoner. He's won Amsterdam twice, Honolulu twice, and he's won in Prague. But the thing about all of those courses, pancake flat time trial courses. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm actually going to go with Lisa DeSisa. Okay. The two-time Boston champ. To get another title. The gutsiest marathon finisher I've ever seen after this year's New York marathon. I think he's proven he can win on this course. He'll do whatever it takes to win, even if it means closing like a madman. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Lalisa. Outside of the Mer- the Americans, he is in some ways a hometown favorite based mm-hmm. on how he embraced the city with his victories after the bombing. Yes. And that race means a lot to him and the people there mean a lot to him and they respect him as a racer and you're right he is a guy who likes to throw punches in that great boston marathon tradition of bill rogers and and all the guys with greater boston track club the bill squires coached program alberto salazar salazar greg meyer those guys he he races that way to some extent he races he doesn't just time trial yes and so i think that's a great pick I'm actually going to go back to Jeffrey Karui. He has been one of the best marathoners in the world in recent years, and we haven't quite seen it. It, In the recent attempts, there have been some tactical errors. I still think he is a premier racer and that this course suits him if he stays patient. That's what he was so good at two years ago. He let Rupp move through the Newton Hills, miles 16 through 20. And he was able to hold off and have another move then coming out of the hills, downhill into the city. My advice for anybody running the race is if you can set yourself up to take advantage of the last 10K, this can be a fast course. There's not a lot of time that you get to settle in and run flat. There's always some up and down and some bumps, and then, there's, of course, there's bigger hills in Newton leading up to heartbreak. But he set himself up for a closing 10K really strong. Last year, he moved a little earlier. Maybe it was the thought of trying to break free from Rupp. Maybe it was a response to what Yuki did. I'm going to take him over DeCisa. Those are actually going to be my top two. I, I agree with you. I'm not going to take one of the younger studs or the guys with the great times. I think Chirono is a great name that you mentioned who will be in the mix and is, again, another of the probably top 10 marathoners in the world right now. Any thoughts on the Americans? Because I have some American predictions as well. Yeah, we have a widespread when it comes to the ages Mm -hmm. of our American contenders. Yes, absolutely. Ranging from Abdi, who's a four-time Olympian, to fresh out of college, Brian Schrader and Scott Fobble. Mm -hmm. I think this suits a strength-based runner, and I think one of our strongest guys on the road and on a cross-country course currently is Scott Fobble of the Northern Arizona Elite Team. He trains at Flagstaff at Elevation, uh, rolling hills. They do lots of mountain runs in that program. 
and I just think this sort of course suits Fobble. I hope that it suits strength-based runners because I've been doing a whole bunch of up and down in this cycle rather than <laughs> stuff on the flat and stuff on the track, so I'm hoping that's true. And I, I think you have to prepare in a unique way for Boston as compared to a lot of other courses out there. I'm going to pick a guy who's been around a little while, not quite an elder statesman like Abdi Abdi Rockman, but I'm going to go with Jared Ward, friend of the show, who is, I think, re-emerged at New York in the fall. We know he's an Olympian, sixth place finisher in the Olympics at Rio 2016. I'm going to go with another revival as my second American. I'm taking Ritz. Oh, please. Dathan Ritzenheim. He ran a really nice half we talked about. We know he's got the best American PR in the field. He's been there. Now, it was a decade ago when he was at the top of his game. But if he's healthy, I would love to see it. And maybe I'm just wishing it at this point. I think he is healthy enough with experience on that course to be the number two American. And then I'm going to go Elkanah Cabet. Oh, yeah. Third. He had a good run there last year out of the uh, U.S. Army program. Yeah, he's easy to be a fan of. Uh, some people may remember him from running the Reedy River 10K yeah. a few years ago. Made a local appearance. So yeah. I'll take Cabet as my third American. I Fobble was certainly a name I considered as well. I think he'll be right there. And then I also thought about some of the locals, Brian Schrader and... Tim Ritchie, former Tim U.S. Marathon Ritchie. champ, who is a Boston guy as well, and had to struggle through the weather last year and might have a little redemption in mind. He's now the uh, he's the head coach cross-country at UMass now. So, really? Yeah, so he, uh, he could be in that mix as well. Let's go to the women. Women's marathoning in the United States is at a really high level, as we've discussed a lot. We're going to see a name that gets added to that depth of the American field as Sally Kipiego is now an American citizen yes. and she'll be in the mix for 2020. I'm going out on a limb here. I'm going to say there, there's some really strong East Africans in this race, but again, some of those numbers were put up years ago. We got a couple people who have dynamite half marathons but don't have full marathon experience. I don't know that Boston is necessarily the place to get that experience i'm gonna say we get two americans on the podium wow i don't think they win but i think des linden gets on the podium and then i'm gonna boggle your mind right now young man you're gonna go with sarah crouch no i'm not gonna boggle it that much okay i think she'll be my she'll be my second place sarah because I think Sarah uh, Hall is going to run well. Yes. But I actually am going to go ahead of her. I think she'll be my third American. My second American, coming back off injury, why the heck not? Jordan say. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a big reach. She did not look great at the Rome half back in early March, I guess, maybe late February. But I don't know what the effort level was there. Maybe that was marathon pace work. She won the Shamrock 15K out in Portland. I think she's shaken off some rust. Immense talent. Young. If she's healthy, prime of her career. She's as good as anybody in this race if she's right. There is a very real chance that she's not right. But why not? Let's roll the dice. I'm going to pick her third in this race. I guess I'll go Edna Kiplagat. 
as my winner. That's who I had down. You're going to go with Edna as well? Again, I think she her best running is probably behind her, but great experience in Boston. She's been good for years. And with these picks, obviously, we're thinking about good weather, but assuming that to be true, I'll take Edna Kiplagat. What do you think about Americans? I'm going to go a little different than you. Please do. I'm actually going to err on the side of being a veteran as opposed to a young buck. Mm-hmm. And I am going to go with Sarah Hall as the top American. Okay. The last, golly, year and a half, two years, Sarah Hall has been on this massive upswing, having relocated to Flagstaff, Arizona. It's clearly treating her well, the change. I just like her experience when tackling Boston. One thing to remember, if you watch the preview show on NBC Sports, they'll probably go through personal bests for all these runners. Take a look at the elite field. Take a look at where they ran their personal bests. What sticks out in the women's race? Des Linden is not just your champion from last year. On a list of people who ran their personal best on flatter, faster courses, where did she run hers? Boston. Boston. Yep. That's right. She is, it seems to some degree, just made for this challenge. Again, that'll be Patriots Day, Monday the 15th. We look forward to, well, I look forward to running in it, and we look forward to watching the replay afterward. We had some comments from folks said, okay, update us on what are you reading? What are you listening to? People who enjoyed some of our talk of the summer reading list last year on ideas about running but they also said okay what is what do you guys do besides running and at times it seems like nothing but we actually do occasionally dabble in some other things so we thought we'd share with you what's been on our list recently both running and non-running related let's start with some books that we've been reading ben what has been up your alley here recently what is sitting on the nightstand in the sessions abode yeah, so I have actually been getting into reading a biography mm. of John McDonnell, yeah. who is the most successful coach in NCAA history. He was the track and field and cross-country coach at Arkansas. He essentially started the team, and it follows his journey from having five guys on the team and starting this international recruiting that they're well-known for now takes you through the stages of having the longest running conference championship streak in track and field and also follows the development of joe falcon who's one of the greatest american milers ever they built that thing from scratch into a dynasty any takeaways on you know we had the coaching and culture discussion with coach cornell anything you pulled from that unique that's you think helped build that success in Fayetteville? Yeah, uh, with Coach McDonald, you see something you don't typically have with a distance coach, and it was almost a militant expectation. Mm. His guys were expected to be professional about their craft. They all did things a certain way. There was no shortcuts, or I guess really, like he breaks the mold that we have of individualization for training. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of trained these guys cross country esque year round. Though track was his focus, they tr- trained their fall and their spring looked identical. But- it's interesting you say that because in our interview with Ryan Root about his time at North Central, part of their success he called upon was not necessarily the workouts that they did, but the every guy had to hang on to it 
and make the workout, right? It, it was to a degree a lack of individualization that maybe helped breed success for them too because it created some toughness, one, certainly calloused them, but also the ownership that came with it, the bond that came with getting through all that. One of my favorite passages in the book is in one of his first teams, uh, Coach McDonald has the stud Irish guy on the team who just doesn't do his morning runs. He skips the morning runs almost every day and just doesn't want to be a part of the team, talks about other teams and how they do things. Coach McDonald goes in this guy's dorm room, packs his bags, and buys him a plane ticket and tells him if he wants to be off the team, he's welcome to leave. Uh, <laughs> That's a the great guy idea. actually left the team. It it's worked. a bold move, and I applaud that sort of, you can be a part of what we've built here or not. Yeah, we want you to be a part of this, but we'll be great regardless, right? Yes. And if you don't want to do what we need to do, then send you back overseas. Yep, saying the one isn't greater than the whole. Yeah. I have been a little out of the running realm in my reading recently. The last, I did finish up, though not long ago, the Craig Virgin biography called Virgin Territory. And Craig Virgin is very much an overlooked American distance star. And he's overlooked because of when he was so great, he was unable to be in the 1980 Olympics because of the boycott, and that was at the height of his career. But he accomplished so much as a college runner and then a professional. Interesting to see more about his story that I think gets lost in. There's the glamour of the Prefontaine shorter years, Bill Roger years of the 70s. And then it's, it's Alberto Salazar taking that mantle into the 80s. And at times we overlook guys like Craig Virgin or Greg Meyer who were so good in that time period as well. So that's an interesting look if you want to get away from some of the icons of sport that we're already so familiar with. Did you have anything else from the running world that you wanted to talk about that you've been reading? Yeah, so another interesting read I've had is called Small School, Big Dreams. Yeah, this sounds really neat. Yeah, so it's about a Western Oregon University athlete, David Ribich, who is the 501st American to break four minutes in the mile. And he follows him. It's actually a journal from his first USA Championships, which was his junior year of college, through his entire senior cross-country indoor track, outdoor track seasons and then actually goes into him signing his professional contract with the Brooks Beast Track Club. You get to see it through the lens of a 21 and 22-year-old guy. It's a really personal, emotional touch on what it takes to be one of the best runners in Division II history ever. Cool. And so David is now with the Brooks Beast, and you can kind of see this whole story unfold because this is a very recent book that just came out. He's chronicling a career, a college career that just wrapped up. Yeah, he hasn't even been pro for a year yeah, yet. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of excited. I'd like to get into that too. A lot of insights into his training, it sounds like, really specifics yes. that he journaled. So uh, The other stuff that I have wrapped up recently is totally different and getting away from running, but I think has some applicability here that we can discuss as well. Recommended from good friend of the show, our man JR, he is was reading a book called Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. And so I got on that train a few weeks ago and read that one as well. And it's guy Steve Sims who is, 
He says his job is essentially making the impossible things possible. He's kind of like a high-end, world-class concierge, maybe you could say, making dream experiences come true for people, and how he makes those things possible that seem so unlikely. It really distills down to a few things that I think we can all take into every field, every endeavor, but are so good for running about real, authentic relationships, how we interact with people, simple things like writing a handwritten note that is almost non-existent in our world today, Uh, first-class communication. But then also he reiterates being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, and that is such a lesson for running as well that we have talked about. Quick, easy read, some ideas on leadership and vision and challenging yourself to break out of the mold. And then the other one I've been in recently is uh, Nassim Tlaib's Anti-Fragile, The Things That Gain From Disorder. This book's a couple years old and I finally got around to it. He's real famous for another book called Black Swan that was super interesting. And this is all about not being fragile, easily broken, being more though than resilient or robust, taking from uncertain times, taking from difficult situations, and actually strengthening. It's applied to political and economic systems, but also on a bigger picture, our everyday lives. And so I highlighted two passages here, Benji, that I think are really interesting takeaways from an anti-fragile existence that are perfect for running. First, Tlaib says, what does, quote, fitness, end quote, mean? being exactly tuned to a given past history of a specific environment or extrapolating to an environment with stressors of higher intensity. I thought that was a beautiful analysis we could apply to running. Being exactly tuned to a given past history of a specific environment. So in running, is fitness preparing yourself for something that you've seen in the past? Or is it considering a possible situation you're going to be in in the future and preparing yourself for that. Hmm. So I've run X time in the past. You're a marathoner who's run three hours. Am I getting myself ready for a three-hour marathon, once again, assuming the exact same conditions on the same course? Or am I preparing myself for something more challenging for the perhaps the weather condition that I couldn't see, for the surge from a competitor that I wasn't ready for, for a different course that presents different opportunities and challenges. We can't keep preparing ourselves to run the three-hour marathon if we eventually want to run the two-hour and 45-minute marathon, for example. You're going to grow over time with consistency, but you're going to plateau if you don't, as he said, extrapolate to an environment with stressors of higher intensity. I got all kinds of marks on that page in here because that, while he is, he's talking about, in fact, looking back at the uh, time after the banking crisis a decade ago, it is so valuable for you as a runner. Also, when he references, he does a lot of time referencing some of the Stoic thinkers and how they can be applied in today's world. And it actually led me to rereading a good book, if anyone is interested, called The Obstacle is the Way, an analysis of the Stoic thought of Marcus Aurelius that I really enjoyed reading a few years ago. I got back into, he said, you don't avoid the obstacle, 
You don't just get over it, you move through it, and it is the challenge that makes you a better person. And in discussing some Stoics like Seneca, Talib says, my point is that wisdom in decision-making is vastly more important, not just practically, but philosophically than knowledge. Wisdom in decision-making, not knowledge. You can make great gains as a runner from that passage as well. Definitely. What are you deciding to do about your training? When? How? Why? What are you doing about the diet that leads into it, the preparation, the sleep, race day decision-making? You can know a whole bunch of theory. We've both gone through USA track and field training programs. They present a whole bunch of high-level science to you. But there's two pieces to take to that. If you, one, can't apply that science to an athlete, that's an issue. And two, that is in theory, you have to still exist in a real world, right? It's not just an ivory tower. And making real world decisions with wisdom, boy, that can go to every piece of your life for sure. Definitely. But certainly applies in running as well. So that is anti-fragile from... Nassim Tlaib that is a really interesting read if you're you got to be kind of nerdy to like this one and so it fits me perfectly really enjoyed it any other thoughts on books or did you want to go to what you're listening to yeah you want to go to that okay go ahead Uh, we do not just record our own podcast and simply listen to it all day however we hope that you do (laughs) we listen to some other stuff and so what is in the queue for you right now Benji yeah so just recently released was the first episode of tin talk so tin talk is the podcast created by the members of the tin man elite group who we reference all the time in the show this first episode is an interview with sam parsons a recent nc state graduate and drew hunter who was a sub four minute miler in high school Um, It introduces these guys on more of a personal level rather than just a running level, but it does touch on running things, just not specifics like training and all that, but more of culture and who they looked up to and even things down to like, do you prefer shorts or half tights when you work out? (laughs) Um, They talk from everything ranging from the outfits they wear to girls to music to movies even. It's really cool to see... These two guys who are on a pedestal on the USA stage, uh, both guys are always in finals at USA Championships and kind of make them more of a tangible person, a realistic, gives you some flavor with the face. Yeah, it's a little behind the scenes look at what those guys are really like. Yes. Now keep in mind when listening to this, this is two 20-year-old guys talking, so they will talk like two 20-something-year-old guys, but... If you're into that sort of thing, it's a real interesting listen. Our guy Max Hoffman sent me a podcast episode last week that I listened to on uh, a program that I enjoy, the Morning Shakeout, Mario Fraioli's interview-based format, where he gets a lot of good runners on there. And he had Ryan Hall on there recently, and Ryan just released another book, and he's been on several shows lately, but really enjoyed listening to that kind of where he was in his life 
outside of running while he was a runner. Obviously, his, for those who know Ryan Hall's story, his faith plays a huge role in his life. There were some interesting insights as he reflected back on where he was as a man while he was at the pinnacle of American distance running. So if you want to hear a good Ryan Hall interview, there's there's several out there. He was actually was on with Lance Armstrong recently, did a good interview as well with him. But that one on the morning shakeout I, I enjoyed. Thanks to Max the Ottermine Cardinal for making that <laughs> one happen for me. I have been into here recently a program called The Art of Manliness. Ooh. And I have been just drinking it in. It is not the name, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, makes it seem as if it's uh, some sort of, as we would today say, toxic masculinity. Mm. But it is more so a practical guide on some really timely topics for life that are valuable not just to men. Great episodes that I've listened to recently on the value uh, and art of asking beautiful questions how we learn so much from one another about uh, by asking questions and how questions are a valuable tool for leadership in our modern world they just recently had steve magnus on who we enjoy who was talking about his new book about the passion paradox and how passion drives our lives and when it should and when it shouldn't Uh, good episodes on decision making processes you can use and how to, for people who are struggling, maybe you're in a malaise in your life, how to use some action to fight through those feelings and get started moving forward. Some, some practical stuff, they tend to get authors in these fields on frequently. And so that's a recommend. They got like 500 episodes. They've been around for a while and I've read the, the website for years, but really spending some more time with that and thoughtful discussion on the art of manliness. So I enjoy that one. Another thing is, these are not new episodes. They were recorded last year, both before and after the Boston Marathon. But since that's coming up, if you haven't listened to the Boston Marathon podcast and you are running the race, you may enjoy on your trip to Boston, listening in to a series they did with past winners. Ben, you have something else? Another one that has been uh, intriguing you? One of my favorite podcasts is Midday Treat with the Hoka Northern Arizona Elite, Mm -hmm. um, hosted by Eric Sensman, who is a stout trail runner in his own right. He interviews lots of the local elites in Flagstaff, Arizona. Flagstaff is known for being a mecca mecca of distance training in the United States. And he interviews everybody from Jim Walmsley to Coach Mike Smith at NAU. Cool. And he gives a great range of different talents and life stories, honestly. There you go. So those are some thoughts, some ideas. Maybe if you're looking for something to listen to on the commute other than just us, or you are in the mood for a new book to read before you put your head on the pillow at night, check some of those out. We hope you'll enjoy them. We were going to get into some of the Olympic trials and Olympic standards But I think we've gone long enough for this episode. We're going to have to come back to that. And that's okay because we have some guests coming up who that directly affects who we will interview and discuss more on the changing rigor of Olympic qualifying standards. And, of course, we will also have, as we mentioned, Morgan Elliott coming up soon, the ultra-distance prodigy. 
will join us. Hope everybody has a great week. As always, you can contact us secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Benji's looking for that 50K recommendation. So somebody help this guy out. Let's get him a good race. We'll let you know how Boston goes. I'll talk a little bit about my experience. We'll get into more with Morgan when we come back to you soon. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye.